welcome to Real Foot Forward, a West Tennessee podcast from Discovery Park of America in Union City, Tennessee. Today's episode is brought to you by Jiffy Steamer, the largest steamer manufacturer in the world. It started in 1940 right here in Obion County, Tennessee. Find the Jiffy Steamer dealer closest to you at jiffysteamer.com. Thank you very much, Emily, and welcome everybody to Real Foot Forward, a West Tennessee podcast where we explore the history, the people, and the culture of our home here in West Tennessee. I'm your host, Scott Williams. Okay, Emily, before I introduce today's very special guest, uh, what's something you've discovered this week at Discovery Park of America? I discovered that Discovery Park's technology showcase focuses on how technology has been used throughout the years to enable us to communicate with each other. Included in the items on display are a CD of songs by Frank Sinatra, who does great Christmas stuff, an 8-track called Down Home with Tennessee Ernie Ford, and a 45 record of Heartbreak Hotel by Elvis Presley. What a coincidence that that would be what you discovered, since today is our very special Elvis Presley birthday episode. Elvis was born on January 8th, 1935, in Tupelo, Mississippi, but moved to Memphis as a young boy. We're going to hear a little bit about that uh, from our special guest, Dixie Locke Emmons, considered Elvis's first serious girlfriend, and her daughter, Christy Emmons-Jones. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Now, a little bit of full disclosure, um, I consider us also very good personal friends as well. Um, For anybody listening who's aware of First Assembly of God Memphis, uh, that is where we all became acquainted, where I was a member, and Dixie was the uh, church administrative assistant, and among other things. So this is fun for me to get to talk to them as well. For 30 years. That's right. It was a long time ago that, that you started. And then how long were you there? 30 years? I started in 77 and quit in 17. Wow. That, so that I was is there um, 30 years. Yeah, that's great. You saw a lot in those days. Yeah, I um, did. I did. Back us up a little bit and tell us about where you came from and where you were born and what your family was like growing okay, up. I was born in Georgia, but uh, my, my grandfather called my dad and told him that they were hiring people at the railroad. So we all moved up here to Memphis. So I've been here since I was two years old. And you started going to uh, First Assembly at what age? We started going at First Assembly when I was about six because we were in walking distance of the church. And uh, uh, when we moved out to uh, Highland, Elvis heard that the Blackwood brothers were there. And he loved the Blackwood Brothers. So he came to church and we were in the same class. And every time I looked over at him, he was smiling at me, you know. So I I didn't know what to think about that, really. But uh, uh, I told one of my girlfriends that we were going to meet out front in front of the church. And I said I was going to tell him out loud that we were going to go to the skating rinks uh, Friday night. (laughs) <laughs> and so when we got there, he was there with his skates on. So <laughs> that's great. <laughs> he, he was holding to the post. He didn't know how to skate. <laughs> now, uh, uh, Christy, growing up, did you hear these stories when you were growing up? Scott, it's so funny because, um, you know, my, my mom and dad just celebrated 61 years of marriage and um, which is such an 
such an amazing thing in and of itself. So, you know, as, as any little girl, my dad was my hero. <laughs> right. And um, so I knew that my mom dated Elvis, but we really didn't sit around at the kitchen table and talk about it, you know? Um, so, so a lot of these stories uh, I had not heard before writing the book. Yeah, my my memory of uh, Dixie uh, was I started going to First Assembly maybe mid '80s, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, somebody said to me it might have been my friend Marv Conrad. I'm not sure who it was, but somebody said, you know, she used to date Elvis, but she doesn't like to talk about it, so don't ask her about it. So I never <laughs> said anything until one day, uh, Dixie. I don't know if you remember this. You asked me if I would do. Remember when I did that giant cutout of uh, Reverend Hamill? Um, you asked me to do a favor and you said, would you do this? And I said, I'll do it if you'll just tell me an Elvis story. And so you tell, you shared with me a few, uh, an Elvis story in exchange. (laughs) So, so Elvis, uh, describe what Elvis looked like when he first started going there. Cause I'm sure they didn't have a lot of money, right? Well, they didn't have a lot of money, but he was so, uh, he had gone down to Lansky brothers and bought pants and a jacket and all that stuff. So, and he had the long hair. So everybody that we dated had on Levi's and a white shirt, you know. So he was very different than everybody else was. So the first time he came to my house to to uh, for us to go out that night, he said, um, uh, we were we were going to go out that night to a movie, and my mother said, I think y'all will just stay home tonight. <laughs> I, I, I said, well, that's okay with us. So I had two older sisters and a younger sister. So we played Monopoly and just did all that all night. So he was fine with that. And I'm curious if your dad approved. Well, uh, my dad was kind of uh, leery about it, but... Uh, when we went out on a date, we we got back. My mother told me the first time we went out that I had to be back by midnight. I called her from the skate rink and told her that um, he was going to bring me home. And he was a nice Christian boy from First Assembly. And uh, so she said, uh, well, you better be home by midnight because that's when your daddy will get home. So I had just kissed him goodnight and run in the bed and pulled up my cover <laughs> and I was like sound asleep. So he, he didn't know any different. <laughs> and what's funny is, you know, you got to see somebody who became a world famous icon. You got to see them when they were just a regular person, you know, like everybody else. That's um, right. As uh, you've told in the book and as I've heard, you know, you guys were dating and then you went on vacation for a couple of weeks to Florida without realizing um, that when you got back, things were never going to be the same. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, it, it wasn't really the same, but when, when, I, when Bobby and I got married, my mother gave away everything that I had. Oh, she wow. She gave away all my letters, all my telegrams, uh, because he had sent me telegrams while we were in Georgia telling me how good everything was going. So uh, he he didn't, he just uh, told me that everything was going well and that, you know, they were playing a song on the radio. That was it. They were playing a song on the radio and everything was wonderful. So uh, we we still dated for quite a few years, uh, three or four years maybe. 
but he um, he he was he was um, he he had uh, a, a memory that went back a long way, you know. So he uh, he just told me that he was going to California. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I thought, what is he going to California for? So then when he got back from California, he said to me, have you just been sitting here at home all this time? And I said, well, no, I went with my girlfriends and we went to the canteen and we danced and we did all these other things. But he was kind of uh, perturbed at me about that. <laughs> uh, he didn't want me to do anything, but he was out there dating Natalie Wood and everybody else. So I said, well, you know, well, no, that's not going to work. So, you know, I think some of the sweetest things to me were um, the fact that they were just when we think back to being a teenager, that's really what I wanted to capture in learning about mom's experience is, you know, what it was like to be her as a teenager. And your first, your first love is always special. You know, we all know that we all had that experience, but hers just happened to become the biggest icon in the, you know, musical world. And, you know, I just think it's really sweet and tender, the memories that she had, not just with Elvis, but the fact that their families thought were extremely close. The Locks and the Presleys um, were extremely close-knitted and shared a lot in common. I mean, they were both extremely poor families um, with, with, with little means and um, had a love for each other, had a love for uh, the church and for Christ. Um, one of the things that I don't think many people know um, is a common bond that Mrs. Presley and my grandmother shared. Uh, my grandmother had lost an infant um, when she was a young mother, just like Mrs. Presley, you know, lost Elvis's twin at birth. So the fact that those two ladies shared that bond brought them uh, an instant kinship that they could console and comfort one another. And, you know, mom says that they talked about how they knew that they would be reunited with those children they one day in heaven. Yeah, after church, they would have lunch together as, as, you know, both families. So I think that that speaks volumes for not just a relationship between two teens, but something that was very um, cohesive between the families ent entirely. My, my Miss Presley and Mr. Presley wanted us to get married as soon as we started going together. <laughs> I said to Miss Presley, I said, I, I can't do that because I had two older sisters that didn't graduate from high school. And I promised my mother I would graduate from high school. So uh, we kind of evened it out, you know, then. And uh, he came to my graduation in 56. But uh, my husband came up to him and he said, are you going with me or are you going with this clown? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Now, he also, didn't he also take you to your junior prom? 
Yes, he um, did. And, and he told Priscilla that too. And she said, you didn't call him a clown. And she said, <laughs> yes, I did. But she calls me her little sister. So every time she comes to Memphis, we all get together for uh, yeah, I know you and Priscilla Presley are still very close, which is very she is nice. very close. She's um, very I'm close. I'm interested in First Assembly back then. So First Assembly was is still to a degree, and back then was really known as the church that all the Southern Gospel folks went That's to. Right. That's uh, the Blackwood right. Brothers, and who you yes. know were later um, later uh, killed in a plane crash. Um, there's a, a story in your book. Uh, that um, Elvis and Natalie Wood and Nick Adams went by, I think it was um, R.W. Blackwood's house, you know, and Elvis was very proud of his connection to Memphis and yeah. um, and gospel music. And uh, from what I understand, you probably saw it. There were times when he would come back and sit in the, sit in the balcony because he didn't want to create a fuss. Did you ever right. see him do that? Right, but he always he, he always caused a commotion wherever he was at. You know, people would see him and want to go up and speak to him, and uh, so he he was always quite a quite a predominant figure there. But uh, Pastor Hamill just called him to his office one day and asked him to come to his office, and they had a long talk together. So I think he just quit coming after that. But um, he, he was a he was a good man, and uh, everybody loved him. And uh, we, he would take his guitar, and we would go over to Riverside Park. And uh, half of the kids that I went to school with would be over there, and he would play his guitar and sing. And uh, so he was he was he was just a good guy. Everybody loved him. Yeah, I love your connection both to Elvis, but also to Memphis and gospel history. Uh, it's really fascinating the things that you've gotten to see um, in your life. Um, but then also it's really fascinating. Uh, for me, um, Elvis, you know, was never your uh, boyfriend or husband in my head. It was always uh, your real husband. So why don't you tell us a little bit about him and how you met? Okay, well, uh, he and I went to school together. He was in the second grade and I was in the third grade because he <laughs> had moved around a lot. So he had failed a couple of times. And uh, we, we, we went to, uh, after we got out of school, my cousin said to me, uh, we're, we're going to need a ride down to the uh, Cotton, Carnival. Cotton Carnival tonight because we were having a dance at the auditorium. And I said, well, uh, who are you going to call? And she said she was going to call Morris and Bobby. So Bobby came and picked me up, and uh, we we went with Morris and Beverly, and that was just it. That was just it. So he was a sweet man, and I just fell in love with him. You know, he, uh, I would say not many men could bear the brunt of having to know you know, that their wife used to date Elvis and he probably had to hear that joke all the time. And he's, he's heard it a lot because <laughs> he was at the fire station and uh, people would come down there and say, uh, is, El is Elvis in here? And they said, no, he's not in here. But his wife dated a guy that, you know, looked like Elvis. So they, they would get, ask him to come out and take pictures with them. <laughs> so uh, he, he was, used to, he was used to all that, but, um, I think one of my favorite stories, um, you know, Scott, if you've met my dad, he's uh, he's small in stature and large in personality. 
Um, and so his his fireman friends would would tease him and say, come on now, you mean Dixie dated Elvis and she married you? And, you know, all five foot seven of my dad would proudly bow up, you know, and say, that's right. She knows who the real king is. <laughs> and, that's you know, right. I just. I just have always um, loved and appreciated his his sense of humor. And, um, you know, I, I think in, in the end, it's kind of like, well, she chose she chose my dad. Um, so he was the real winner. Right. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So we're going to take a break. And when we get back, Christy, I'm going to ask you a little bit about the process that you went through to write the book. Um, and I'm also going to ask you, what is your favorite story from the book? So be thinking about that. All right. Jiffy Steamer offers the world's finest clothing steamers, steaming products, and steamer accessories. They've been made in the USA since 1940 and now have more than 1,000 dealers across 55 countries. Jiffy Steamers are trusted by professionals such as Macy's, Neiman Marcus, Coach, and others. Find the Jiffy Steamer dealer closest to you at JiffySteamer.com. Well, if your baby believes you, you got a tale to tell. Well, just take a walk down the street to Heartbreak Hotel, where you will be. But you think it's so lonely, baby. Well, you'll be lonely. You'll be so lonely. You could die. I hope you're enjoying the Real Foot Forward podcast from Discovery Park of America and Heartbreak Hotel, which you just heard. If you are, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a positive review on iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast catcher of choice. Uh, in celebration of Elvis's birthday, um, today our guests are Dixie Emmons and Christy Emmons-Jones. Uh, they have uh, recently published a book together. Christy, tell us a little bit about the title, the book, and things like that. Sure. Um, I would love to, Scott. So, um for anyone in the Elvis world, um, they have been asking my mom for years to write a book about her relationship, teenage relationship with Elvis. And, you know, mom has always been, like you mentioned earlier, very private about that and had chosen for all these years to sort of keep those stories um, close to her vest. And so, as we all know, when COVID hit in 2020, um, it caused us all to start living differently, thinking differently. And um, I, I don't know how else to describe it, except that I was in the shower one morning and I clearly heard a voice telling me, it's now time for you to write the book with your mom. And before I could even get dressed and get in the car, um, the name of the book had already been revealed to me. And so I drove to my parents' house, which is where I am today in Bartlett, Tennessee. And um, I said to my mom, I said, I feel very clearly led to work with you to write your memoirs. And I already know the name of the book. And she said, what is it? And I said, it's unlocked um, because mom's maiden name is Locke. And so um, she said, if that's how you feel led, then let's let's do this and so it, it's been by far um the most important and most honorable project that i've ever been um able to work on and i hope it was when i wanted you to bring stuff down there 
Yeah, so it's it's just been a remarkable experience. So um, COVID actually allowed my life to slow down enough that um, I could hear what I was supposed to do next. And um, about a year later, we were at the publisher with the book. And so Dixie, uh, what, what, why did you feel like you kind of wanted to keep that close to the vest for so long? Well, I, I just, uh, I, I wasn't, you know, you remember Warren Grant that sure. was he was our, our leader for so long. Yeah. He, he wanted me to write a book forever and ever and ever. And I just said, you know, I'm not going to do that till my kids get grown and have to have money. <laughs> so uh, I just kind of put it off. But uh, when Christy called me that day and said that she already had the name of the book, uh, and I had a lot of it still in my computer. So uh, I just, I told her, I said, well, I've got a lot of it here. So I just sent it all to her and she rearranged it and did what she needed to do with it. So. And Christy, was some of it that you were seeing, were you seeing any of it for the first time and hearing new, new things you didn't know? Uh, a lot of it, yes. Um, I'll back up a little bit, though, and tell you that one of the aha moments for me with regards to my mom's relationship with Elvis was, um, Scott, You, I think uh, you were in Memphis in 1982 was when Graceland opened for tours. And uh, we were living in Whitehaven, just a few miles from Graceland. And so my cousin and I were like, well, hey, let's just go down to Graceland and see if they want to hire us. And um, so I went to work at Graceland as a tour guide. I did not tell anyone who my mother was. And uh, so, but during the time I was working there as a tour guide, it required me to learn all of this um, detail about Elvis's life. And it was during that moment that I began to understand the magnitude of what the significance was of my mother's relationship with him. And um, so one day uh, I was getting ready to wrap up my shift for the day and I had a note attached to my time card and yes, we used time cards um, to come to Jack Soden's office. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm being called to the principal's office, you know, and what have I done? So I went to Jack and we talked for a moment. And he leaned up over his desk with this serious look. And he's like, Christy, why have you not told us who your mother is? <laughs> and I sat there for just a moment and I said, well, because I wanted to be sure you hired me for me and not because of who my mother was. And he's like, now that's a perfect answer. You know, <laughs> we kind of laughed about that. And then he said, but, but how do I get in touch with her? <laughs> yeah, I bet. I yeah. bet. So um, that was really interesting. So during my time as a tour guide at Graceland was, was really when I started to learn a lot about Elvis his life. And then that made me curious to know about, you know, my mom's part of that piece of history. And um, so, yeah, there were some things that I knew, but I asked her a lot of questions. She kept saying, how many more questions do you have? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, and for anybody who doesn't know, Jack Soden is the currently still the president of Elvis Presley Enterprises and yes. was responsible for opening it to the public and you know everything that's there. He pretty much you know is the father of. So he, he calls me just about every year and says, "Will you come and tell your story?" And I said, "Jack, I have told that story a hundred times. I don't know anything else to say." And he <laughs> said, "There's always people here that haven't heard you." express that so will you come absolutely and there's just something special about uh experiencing somebody who has an authentic tale like yours there are some people who have manufactured stories that aren't necessarily true but we know yours is true because a we know you um and then b the photographs that you have included in the book uh Christy, what is, of the, all the photos in the book, is there one that particularly you like better than others? I think, um, you know, I think what people would expect me to say is, you know, Mom and Elvis's prom picture, because that is the one that's most widely recognized. But for me, uh, the favorite photo in the book is a picture of Mom on a statue of a horse wearing this cute fringed cowgirl outfit that Elvis brought to her from California. So um, it, it's just a, it, I mean, she, she looks amazing, first of all, but um, I think it's just adorable, you know, to think back at a time that that was just when Elvis was starting to travel to Hollywood. He's, he's obviously now going in a, big direction with not only a singing career, but an acting career. And um, he brings mom this cute outfit home and she's got that picture made. So I think that that's probably one of my favorite photos. Dixie, what is your favorite photo in the book? Uh, I, I think my favorite one is the prom picture that Christy's got on the front of the book because uh, Miss Presley, uh, I was over at her house one day and he was gone and she said, let's go downtown shopping. And I said, what are we going to shop for? And she said, let's go get you a prom dress. So I, I didn't have any money, of course. So we went to Three Sisters, and she brought me that beautiful white uh, prom, gown. prom gown that I wore to the prom. So uh, when Elvis came home, my sister, my older sister was afraid that he wouldn't think about getting me a corsage. So she went and got a corsage and we went over to Bob Neal's house and he got a corsage and his mother got a corsage. So everybody had a corsage and he said, why do people think that I didn't think about this? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Maybe but, because you just drove home from the Louisiana hayride and we didn't think right. you would have time to pick up a corsage. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but he did. But he did, yeah. So, uh, so we we went to the uh, dance to the uh, graduation party, and uh, everybody loved him by then. Uh, people saw him before when he would come over at school and pick me up. But they would say, "Why are you dating that boy? You know, he's not he's not good looking or anything." And I said, "He is to me." <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, when we got to our graduation, everybody wanted to come and sit at our table. <coughs> he was he was a doll man, and everybody loved him then. Well, and uh, that was in what year was that? 
uh, 56. So had he been on Ed Sullivan yet? Uh, he had been on Ed Sullivan twice. And okay. uh, and he, he first told Ed Sullivan that when he went on there that he wanted to sing Peace in the Valley for his mother. And, and uh, uh, Ed Sullivan said, we don't sing gospel songs. And he said, well, then I'm leaving. And so he sang uh, Peace in the Valley for his mother. And, and it's interesting, I think, you know, through the years, what stands out is um, uh, family was always very important to Elvis, which a lot of people might miss. Yeah. And also his faith was very important and his roots in uh, gospel music and the, the people that he ran around with uh, at First Assembly. And, you know, truth be told, I've heard that he really, he would have been happy just being one of the Blackwood brothers. He loved the Blackwood brothers and uh, he just, uh, he, we, we went to their house several times and had dinner with them. And uh, he, he was just thrilled to death over it, you know, because I'd been at the church for so long. And But they invited us there to have dinner with them several times. And he just he just fell in love with them. Did so, they sit around and sing after dinner? Well, uh, we, we had dinner and then we sat around and they did sing a lot. So it was, it was just a nice, nice evening. So we had a great time together. It's amazing that you got to experience uh, some moments, some Memphis history moments like that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We went to a movie a lot when he first started making money. We would go to the Capitol and then go to the downtown to a movie and we just saw all kinds of movies during that time. <laughs> and Elvis loved movies. Um, yeah. Did uh, did he ever, after he married Priscilla and you were married to Bobby, did y'all ever get together and go out to dinner or anything? You know, uh, Priscilla and I, she, she rented a place in uh, Las Vegas and she called us and wanted us to come out there. And I said, girl, you've got your family there with you. We don't need to come. And she said, no, I want you to come. So Bobby and I went. It was a beautiful suite uh, that we stayed in. And she had a cook come to her house and cook dinner for all of us to go over and eat with her. Oh, but that was great. that. Yeah. But Elvis was not living during that okay. time. Oh, he, okay. I just he wasn't living. During that was that. you and Priscilla. Uh, he, he did that. She did that for, for you too. That's nice. It's nice that you guys have, have developed such a good friendship. We, we've got a great friendship and she, every time I hear from her, she calls me her little sister. Her Memphis sister. Her Memphis sister. And, oh, that's uh, great. That's nice. Yeah, she's, she's a sweet girl. So we just, we thank the world of her. So Christy, I'm curious, uh, for people out there who might also have a story, you oftentimes probably hear people say, oh, I want to do a book. Um, educate us a little bit on the process you went through. Obviously, you had a subject, you know, that a lot of people are interested in, but what's the process that you went through uh, to get the book from, from your mom's life to both of yours, your heads, all the way to the bookshelves? Lots of prayer. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of prayer. Um, you know, uh, my sister and my mom and I, the three of us worked together on it. I think that one of the one of the hesitancies mom had had in having not written the book sooner was um, she didn't want to lose control of how the story was written and how the message was interpreted. And so, you know, it was 
it was very important to me and my sister to make sure that that whatever was written, that it was authentic and that it was true to um, the things that were important to my mother as a teenager that carried on through the rest of her life. And, you know, that was integrity, that was respect. Um, and I, that was probably the most important thing is I wanted to make sure that that was conveyed in this book and that it wasn't just that it wasn't only a story, another story about Elvis. I wanted it to be about Dixie Locke, about her life as a teenager and Elvis being a part of that. But that then, you know, as really it started out as these two teenagers being in love, but as their dreams began to unfold, their dreams took them in different directions. You know, and, and there's nothing wrong with either one of their dreams. Um, it just, it, as life often happens, it led mother to the next part of her life, which is probably one of my favorite parts to be able to, to articulate in the book was the love story of my mom and dad. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I can reiterate all of that you just said as an outsider having read the book it's wonderful and also having been friends of your family and and with miss dixie uh she definitely uh has represented her faith in everything that she's done and you know i think you know her relationship with elvis has just been you know a great doorway for her to get to share that with people That's uh right. in the recent years That's so right. let me ask you this is your daughters there with you during this no. time they're they're in uh they're both in college oh are they yeah so they'll be home for christmas though yes they will be home for christmas for sure Good. well we're going to try to drive up there and see you during that time okay you know what we would we would love love to um have you here uh and and we'll take a picture of you here at discovery park and put it out there and uh <laughs> let people deal. know um Good deal. Christy, we'll, what's we'll to talk. say the name of the book again and tell people where they can get a copy of it yeah, so um, the name of the book is Unlocked um, Memoirs of Elvis's First Girlfriend, and um, it can be purchased through Graceland. Uh, Graceland is selling a lot of them, so if you like to purchase from Graceland, you can do so, and you can also purchase through directly through our website, and that is dixielock.com. Big Cartel, B I G C A R T E L dot com. And um, there's an option to just buy the book directly. And there's also an option to get an autographed book on the website as well. And that, that's the best one, the one that's got Dixie's autograph on it. Yeah, we've done that a lot. Dixie <laughs> <laughs> calls me and says, I'm coming up there and bringing some books. So, so you sign them. So, emails <laughs> that's from that great. Town. So that's great. That's well, we, we really appreciate you guys taking the time to talk to us today and share a little bit of Elvis' story, but also, more importantly, Dixie, your story. It's really, really appreciated. Thank you, Scott. We appreciate the time that you've given us today. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And when we come up there, maybe we can bring you some books, okay? That sounds fantastic. We appreciate okay. that. Okay, we'll do it. Thank you so much. Thanks to all you listeners who've joined Dixie. Christy and me today at Discovery Park of America. 
Our mission here is to inspire children and adults to see beyond. To plan an experience here for you and your family, visit discoveryparkofamerica.com.